Hello, listeners. You are listening to the uh, Hearth, Home, and Homicide podcast. We're a family production about family murders. My daughter Caroline and I narrate each story, and son and brother Andy is our producer. As Caroline and I talk about each family murder, we try to keep sensitivity for victims and their families in the top of our mind. Our podcasts do include violence and trauma, so listener discretion is advised. So I'm Bridget. And I'm Caroline. So welcome to our podcast. And Caroline, how are you doing this lovely? March has marched in. What are we going to do about it? Well, I'm happy. It's always nice to make it through what is perceived to be the hardest part of winter. And I see that as like December, January, February. February is the sneaky little brat. (laughs) Yeah, March is kind of like a toss-up. So yeah, let's have it. I've had it with wind, rain, trees falling down, people, you know, being underwater with their cars. I mean, you know, one of these days they're going to have to come up with flying cars so that people don't, you know, have the, I guess we're going to have to quit using cars. Actually, my imagination cannot comprehend what it's going to take to (laughs) get through some of these uh, climate uh, changes. And yeah. so we're we're not a podcast about that, but I do think about it all the time. And March is a tricky month. Who knows what's going to happen? Yep. So today we're visiting Florida. I spent a lot of time there when I was growing up in Georgia. And um, so I kind of like Florida, not anymore, but I, I did when I was a kid. It wasn't crowded. Um, you know, nobody ever abducted anybody. You know, but today we're going to go and we're going to try to understand a family there in modern times. It's the Amato family who were very loving people, just loving. And they were living in a place called Chuluoda in Florida. And our sweet mom, Margaret, at the time of uh, the incident, she was 61 years old. And her sweet husband, Chad, is 59. And I say sweet because, I mean, I'm not kidding. It could have been, you know, I've never met people like this who are so giving and generous and forgiving and loving. And they have three sons. Jason is the eldest, and he was Margaret's child from a previous relationship. Chad adopted Jason when he was just three years old. So that is so sweet. In 1987, along came Cody, and then Grant was born in 1989. And I say it's a loving family because I believe this family was fueled and lived on love as their, you know, their family crest, even though Grant, the youngest, would go off the rails if he ever was on the rails and ultimately annihilate his family. So that's what our story is about. How on earth could something like this happen? And it it uh, it was interesting to research. One of the things I had to do and try this time around because there wasn't a lot. And 
one of the things I had to try was, okay, I'm going to check on obituaries. Do they have an obituary out there, either either any of the family that would say something about that family and, and what was their origin and all that? And I did find that. Nice. And the other thing is the uh, Chad and Margaret still have their uh, Facebook page up. Really? Um, yeah. Now they were not chatty, you know, every day, Right. but you can still see sort of the devotion. Like the snapshot into the, what mattered most kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. At the time of the crime, the family lived in a spacious four bedroom home situated on 2.9 acre plot of land. And I know that doesn't sound like a lot of land, but yes, it does. Yeah, it does. You can do it a lot like with that. 0.9 so, acres would sound like a lot. <laughs> yeah. Chad and Margaret had recently even purchased a home in Tennessee where they planned to move when they retired. So I love this family because they're thinking into the future. They're building a future together. They're building a future together with their family. That's what the adoption was all about. That's what the family's all about. And now they're looking ahead to, hey, our kids are getting up there and let's talk about our future, Chad and Margaret. They were a very tight-knit family, the Amados. They did everything together. And they one of the big things they did was they never missed a single Florida Gators game. And it was Chad who took the boys to those games. Margaret probably tagged along, but she had her own interests. After her family, Margaret's greatest love in life was horses. In her free time, she could usually be found at Miracle Lane Stables, tending to a horse named Lady. Now, Lady was a a neglected ex-racehorse that Margaret rescued in 2009. And she just adored Lady. She never gave up on Lady. Uh, Lady tried to kill her multiple times when she was bucking her off. You know, I don't need you. I don't need you. I don't need you. Stay away from me a little closer, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Came, Came to love her as much as she loved Lady. And I have to say that Margaret... um does more than most people in terms of not giving up on someone she loves. So without realizing it, one of the Amato neighbors said something of Margaret that is sort of chilling in light of her murder. He said, Margaret never gave up on Lady, and it blossomed into a wonderful relationship because she never gave up. And I see Margaret being the same way with her family, her property, her job, her uh, marriage, her future, her kids. And even when Lady died, Margaret continued to frequent the stables, helping to look after horses and just to be around animals. They had a calming effect on her, um, which she sorely needed as the year 2018 progressed and the situation at home became increasingly tense. So to a really sweet lady like that, a rescuer, you know, somebody who's loving to the core, tense, increasing tension is not going to be something she's probably going to feel able to address. Right. Like 
maybe a coping strategy, going to the barn. Oh, yeah. I would definitely get lost in horses. It is a little bit of a, or at least I see it, and maybe that's me and I've done it wrong, but like I see horses and even rescuing a horse and going to a barn. I mean, that's a whole culture and it's kind of expensive to do. Like that, it's not profitable, is what I'm saying. Like it's not like nobody like gets a re- you know a horse or rescues a horse because they're gonna like make any money, right? Like it's it really is a pursuit of the soul. I think when you are around horses, and- I think I think you hit the nail on the head, especially for her. And you know she she must have just felt out of her league when her home was not the happy home it was. It was very tense. Now, when I say tense, I don't think this family was ever tense until 2018. It wasn't something that was blooming and seething under the surface. No. Margaret was a successful business manager in the medical coding business. Now, that may sound kind of ho-hum and boring, but in reality, medical coding is big, big bucks. And it's highly regulated because medical code is what drives the money, the dollars spent on patients. So Margaret had a very difficult and a very technical job. And I envision her family and her love of her family, her love of her horse, and her general love of taking up good causes. I believe all of those things brought her peace and fulfillment that she could draw on at work. Yeah. I think she and Chad had a good marriage, too. Just the fact that they would purchase a retirement property right. in their early, late 50s, early 60s because they have a vision and a dream. Yeah. And I think that they want to do it together. Chad was extremely su- successful as a clinical pharmacist. Now, this profession is very uh, advanced pharmacology it's not working at a drugstore. Right. Um, it's uh, working directly with hospitals and in hospitals, with doctor's offices and even in their offices, directly engaged with that practice and the patients. And it's a very specialized area. So in a time when you've got mega clinics, like here in the, where I go to the doctor, it's the Everett Clinic, or now I guess it's called Optum. And they're all over the Puget Sound in Washington. So they probably have some of these clinical pharmacists working to ensure that the patients are getting the pharmaceuticals, the proper pharmaceuticals, and all of that stuff. So um, Grant and Cody Amato did everything together. So this is Grant and his uh, older brother, uh, Cody. Not only were they brothers, but they were best friends. They were just attached at the hip. They both attended Timber Creek High School, and they both were on the weightlifting team. So they were doing weightlifting all the time, and they were into it, into it, into it. And when they graduated, they both enrolled in nursing school, and they had both decided that they wanted to ultimately specialize as nurse anesthetists. Uh, nurse anesthetists make a lot of money, Caroline. I don't think that schools are doing it right. And this is for the last 15 years. So, I mean, and I've been out of school a really long time, but 
Yeah, there are a lot of specialized areas in medicine that you don't have to actually be drawing blood, doing surgeries, you know, the things that you could have something super specialized, you know, just in the I anesthetize people based on weight, height. Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a science. You have to be good at it. <laughs> but I do think. Well, if you're not good on the anesthesia side, there's going to be, you know. A death. Death. Permanent damage. So, yeah. Absolutely. So it's serious. But it, what a great gig. Same with like um, ultrasound technicians. There's just a ultrasound lot. Ultrasound technicians and. Um, so you don't you can you can be into the science and you don't have to take care of people uh, at that basic hospital bed level right. uh, the way that uh, LPNs do and registered nurses do sometimes. Yeah. So Grant and Cody Amato are uh, connected like no other. Everybody is like frickin' frack, you know. There they go. <laughs> They're doing everything the same thing all the time. They had a dream. Their dream was that they were going to be buy matching BMWs and they were going to be living in the family home in Chuluoda while their parents enjoyed retirement in Tennessee. So they had it all worked out. That's a nice move, out, move them to Tennessee and they're going to take over. Yeah. You know, I, I love it. I you do know, too. They're thinking it's about nice. the future That's, and they're making yeah. investments in their future. That's right. Grant and Cody went to nursing school and they qualified as nurses. No easy feat. Yeah. But while Cody thrived as a nurse, Grant struggled. Uh-oh. This yeah. attached at the hip thing might not be staying together the way that they oh. thought it would. As planned, they both did enroll in a course to become nurse anesthetists. And when I say course, that's not like one course, one class. This is like where doctors specialize have to be spent two more years in whatever their specialty is going to be, or three or four. Anyway, Cody passed the course, but Grant failed. Cody found a high-paying job as a nurse anesthetist very quickly. I don't doubt it. Anyway, you go, Cody, you know, but he must be thinking, Grant, come on, come on. You can do it. You can do it. Grant did find a nursing job at Advent Health in Orlando. But, you know, I mean, his brother's an anesthetist nurse and he's a nurse nurse. He might not have been super uh, happy. But anyway, uh, he did find a job. It said Advent Health in Orlando. And there he is working, I guess. And it was then that a cascade of bloody events started to begin. Although I think there were probably cracks in the life of the Amato family. I mean, you know, when somebody is not thriving in your family and everybody else is thriving in their own way, and then you see that, uh uh-oh, we've got somebody in our family that is really struggling. Yeah. That, that is hard. That's very hard. Very hard. Very precarious. I think a lot of parents encounter that. And, you know, if you read the AARP magazine, it encourages millions of Americans to stop giving money to your grown-up kids and make them go out and earn their own living. So that it's got to be a national phenomenon. Well, there's a lot more to mix into it, like the structure of our economy and the inflation. I mean, there's just a lot of factors there. But yes, you're right. I mean, this idea that this isn't how we want to live. So we need to stop patching it up 
and fix the problem. If there's a real problem, we need to highlight it instead of covering it up with these band-aids all the time, pretending. And here I bump into this conflict where I experienced it as a parent. I don't know a parent who did not experience it. But the idea that you as a parent have mapped out everything that your child is going to do based on what you think is the proper and best and healthiest and so forth, a path. And then you get stubborn about clinging to that. And you start to think, well, if I do this or this or this, I can get them back on course. Right. Well, hello. What I had to learn was that actually was never their course. Right. Your course. (laughs) That was your course. Right. They're over there on their own course. You don't even know. know. (laughs) And that's a tough thing. Now you see these two parents who are in the medical profession. Now you see the children, Cody and Grant going into the medical profession And, you know, who's to say that Grant just was flat out in his core, not really interested? Yeah. Like he was just going along to make it He's going along to not disappoint his parents or something like that. Yeah. Obviously, these are speculative observations that I'm making because I'm not there and I'm not a doctor, but... That's what I see from my own experience, that I had to uh, let go of the idea that, yeah, I got to let my children go. Well, what if somebody kidnaps them? Then you will have a kidnapped child. That is what's going to happen. And then you're going to have to figure out the best way to get that child safely back home. And that may or may not happen. Those are hard thoughts to have when you've raised a child from the perfect baby stage. Yeah. yeah. That is really hard. But and, you're right, not uh, uncommon. I think a lot of parents on some level are going through that kind of difficult. Who wants to have mm-hmm. the heartbreak of reality when you've got the perfect family? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, perfect is frayed, broken, sewn back together, taped up, trial and error, um, to the point that when you're my age, you start saying things like, well, in my next life, I'm going to try this. You know what I mean? Because, you know, (laughs) mark it down for next time. (laughs) So anyway, um, Grant got, was getting into trouble and, uh, you know, I want to say Jason, Jason veered a little bit from the medical profession Jason was the oldest child adopted by Chad at age three when he met Margaret and they decided to have a life together. Chad at this time was working as a mortgage broker and he had left the family home to start a family of his own in a different Florida city, but there was no acrimony there. There was still a great love. Uh, And I've seen Jason on some uh, videos that, just this family was a very loving, accepting, maybe enabling, but definitely loving and accepting family. In June 2018, Grant was fired from his nursing job at Advent Health Orlando for stealing medication, namely the anesthetic drug propofol. 
you may remember propofol as what killed uh, Michael Jackson. Oh, oh that and maybe remember, a mixture of other now. things in his blood. But the propofol, you know, was wow. Anyway, that drug is described as a short-acting medication that results in a decreased level of consciousness and a lack of memory for events. Now, I might get behind that lack of memory for events. Because yeah, I know. Well, that's <laughs> it's lending itself solely to surgery in my mind. What else would you use that for? <laughs> yeah, it's an anesthetic. It's a type of anesthetic. It's very short-acting. Okay. And from what I've read, it appears to me, a non-medical scientist person, it appears to me to be maybe something they would give you to get you to drift into a light sleep so that then they can give you the deep the, sleep the type stuff. Okay. I don't know. I mean, that's why I'm grateful for my anesthetologists or whatever. I yeah. am grateful for people who get in the medical field, they're dedicated and they do the work and they are really trying to to do the science, you know, and stay on top of it. I do appreciate that because it's. Sure. It's I do huge. too. And they damn well better be because I'm <laughs> terrified of surgery. But anyway. I know you do. Terrified of everything right now. Nobody <laughs> likes surgery, but you know, you some surgery is a modern day remedy for lack of mobility in right. some cases. I've got one uh, artificial hip and one artificial knee. And wouldn't you know, they're on the different sides. And so they're constantly arguing with each other. <laughs> so, um, Grant, you know, was fired and he was arrested and he was charged with grand theft. He was also accused of improperly administrating at, pardon me, improperly administering medication to patients. When questioned by the hospital authorities, he claimed that he, quote, administered the drug to patients because they were not adequately relaxed. Now, when I read that, you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking mm -hmm. Grant is thinking, you people are a lot of work. Right. I'm going to knock you out. <laughs> I know. Dad used to always say, he would say things like, yeah, well, you know, like of teachers or something, he'd be like, yeah, you know, it could be they got into the profession and thought, well, this job's great, except for all these darn kids, you know, <laughs> or <Yeah>. like, <laughs> so it's like, Absolutely. this job's great, except for all these darn patients. <laughs> yes, yes. It's that, it's that, you know, he's giving them drugs. He's either got a God complex of some sort, or he's just crazy as a lunatic or I mean you know I just don't know but when I read this I'm thinking yeah you're trying to not have to work Grant yeah. yep. so here I see Grant also as somebody who just does not think his actions through to see something disconcerting and to take matters into your own hands in a dangerous way I mean Caroline there are many steps an employee can take in a situation where they think something's not right. We need to let the doctors know. Uh, does Grant Amato have a healthy, safe coping strategy and boundaries? No, I don't think so. No. He doesn't have, he's got what I want to do right now as his main coping strategy. And as far as boundaries, what is that? Yeah, right. Yeah. Now, his parents, 
you know, forked over a lot of money for a good attorney. Oh. Forked it over. And he's still living at home, Caroline. He's living on, in a guest house on his parents' property. Gr- is grand theft a, is that a felony? I mean, I, I recognize that's yeah. based on the amount, the value of the amount that you stole. Right. It's usually yeah. over what, 20000 or 2500 Depends on the, you know, statute of wherever it's happening, yeah. but I okay. would imagine so. And it may be that all stealing of drugs is a grand theft. Oh, I, yeah. I don't know. It could be. Go. Okay. As a result of his firing, Grant began spending endless hours in his bedroom on his computer. He slept all day and stayed awake all night, gaming and live streaming. Well, he's not alone there. I mean, you know, a lot of people handle depression or uh, failure or uh, despair or whatever he was feeling with, you know, just mindless take my mind off of a reality fantasy world. I mean, for real though, I think for a lot of people, it's a lot like going to the stable, taking care of that horse. I think a lot of people have just come to lean on this as a place they go to be something different than what they are right now. What a great observation because that's exactly what his mother was doing. And so, you know, I can see how Grant might feel very comfortable with um, being alone. Mm Mm-hmm. And doing something that he can control. Yeah. And uh, anyway, it is he was, you know, up all night gaming and live streaming, streaming. And along with his mental health, his physical health began to deteriorate. His weight plummeted. Caroline, I've looked at him, pictures of him, lots of them, and videos and you know, he developed dark circles under his eyes. He had pale, dark, he had deathly pale skin. Mm. And he's corpse-like in oh, my in description. <laughs> I'm not kidding. To me, he looks like a very tall, pale man about six, eight months into a hunger strike. Oh, wow. Yeah. I can picture that he color too to- because it's just a shade or two above the death purple. But it is that pale, almost gray look about. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. He's not eating right. He's not eating at all, I bet you. He's just streaming and just wackadoo because he has lost his way. He's always had his buddy Cody. Yes. He stuck to his plan and he got a nursing degree. The first blow was failing the course. Yeah. And the second blow was having to go to work and find out that these hospital patients want me to, you know, help them use a bedpan. I know. like I think I would rather give them palpifol. What do you think? You know? (laughs) Get them more relaxed. Well, it's true. I think that's where I think the real thing happened is that he was living this great life and it was great. And he and Cody had this plan, started working the plan. Turns out that plan only works for Cody, and that's fine. It's just that Grant, I don't think, ever said, maybe I go off and do something different for a minute, and then we link up at that house and we drive our BMWs, and I just, I'm not an esthetician nurse or whatever, however you say that. I'm sorry. I know there's proper Yeah, well, the anesthesiologist is the one that lives in the big house. 
Oh, okay. And the anesthesia nurse is the one that lives in probably the neighborhood right next door. Oh, okay. So, you know, <laughs> making good like money. One but of them nothing. is a doctor and one of them is okay. a nurse, but nurses can be lifted up to the PhD level and yeah. beyond. And oh, yeah. um, in fact, we know somebody just like that who's about to graduate from <laughs> University of Washington, Andy's dear wife, Sarah. Um, and she, uh, you know, she stuck with her program, even though it was impossibly difficult. And, uh, you know, Grant Amato's got none of that. Yeah. None of that. No real drive. And you and I both have stories of how we just went through hell and we did it anyway, because we wanted to get somewhere. Oh yeah. I mean, I could just really go into what I did when I was having babies and wanting to go to college. That was not pretty. Yeah. But I did it. But you made it seem like it was like a thing. You're just like, bad, but that's what you do. And then you I remember. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're supposed to read to your children every night. So when I would get home and I had all this homework, I would read to my children in the bath. They were in the bathtub. I did want to make sure that he didn't drown. And um, I would read to them out of my textbook and who cares, you know, and they're looking at me like, what, what, what? You think I'd be smarter, but I'm not. (laughs) No, I mean, I mean, you know, they, I think that they just were oblivious or they maybe you and your brothers were very frightened that your mother was cuckoo nana. I don't know. No, I knew you had all the secrets of the world. I knew it. So I was going (laughs) to follow you. No problem. <laughs> okay, so back to Grant. Back to Grant. We've all we've all veered from our path and gotten through it and chose another path if the cards just don't add up for us, but not Grant. Mm-hmm. He struggled to find employment in his field. Well, no no kidding, Grant. You're medicating patients with drugs that you're stealing from your hospital. And you've got a felony over your head that your parents are bailing you out of. Jeez. So he decided to try his hand at streaming on Twitch instead. Now, most of our listeners probably know what that is. I had to educate myself a little bit. And that's when people pay to watch you play games and do other stuff that you're good at that they want to be good at. That's basically what it is. And you can make very good money if you have enough uh, in your audience. Like, I'm going to say a half million. Yeah, there's uh, usually a tiers of limits, like 10K followers gets you blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, 25K gets you blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah, the 250,000 followers, 500,000 followers. I don't really know how it works either, but. I don't know. I know how YouTube works, but I don't know how Twitch works. Twitches makes me twitchy. Anyway, his family supported his decision. And now it comes a heavy sigh on my part. And it's not because I'm judging these people. It's because of the love and the trust that they're putting in this person. And they're blind to the fact that he cannot handle that. So here's what happened. His family supported his decision to become a major phenomenon on Twitch. And he was going to make a lot of money, or at least enough to support himself. And his brother, remember, um, who's making good money as a nurse anesthetist, and his father, 
who's working at the very highest levels of the medical profession, lent him their credit cards so that he could purchase streaming equipment and advertise his channel. Okay. I want to unpack this. Money. I know that. <laughs> you know, this is somebody who, somebody who looks like a corpse sleeping in the day. Um, and you're going to give him your credit cards, both of you. Well, and he's got an active convicted, like an active um, accusation, or he's like on the hook to go to trial about grand theft in a hospital yeah, setting. His daddy is spending a ton of money to get those charges dropped. Right. So I mean, his family is just so loving that right. it's, it might be sloshing over into enabling. So they I, gave yeah. him, yeah. Yeah, am I being mean about that? Not at all. I think I think it's it goes. It, I liken it to the thing we were talking about before, where parents are confronted with these situations. Where if the if a you know an objective professional is is looking in, especially when it comes to addiction, parents want to comfort, care for, and keep safe their children. But what they actually have to do is kick them to the curb and allow them the suffering and pray that it doesn't result in death and it allows them to have their aha moment and come back on their own. I think most addiction folks would say that that's, that's about your only option. And it's the last one a parent would think to choose, right? I mean, it's anti. Yeah. 20 years ago, they called that tough love. Yeah. And now they call it codependent. Mm. Um, I don't care what they call it. My heart just breaks. Yeah. For Everybody in this family except for Grant. I'm yes. mad at Grant, and I wish that Grant would Grant would get a backpack and ask his family for a couple hundred bucks and work his way across America so that he can see how other people live right. and how they scratch out a living. You know, buy him some pepper spray. Yeah. You know, but this... This Better yet, send them to the Peace Corps, you know? I mean, that's... Anything. I think, yeah. I think when you have someone sleeping during the day and playing non-profitable games all night, it doesn't take a scientist to say you have someone who has some severe emotional distress and mental health distress. They need to seek out professional help. I mean, really, that's... For me, it would have been the sleeping all day, playing all night, doing things that don't amount to any value to your future or to your current life. Let's go see a therapist. I mean, that's kind of my response to everything. <laughs> oh, well, you know, that's my go-to. Yeah. We're going well, to see some professional people well, who yeah. will agree with me. And then once we do, we're going to get on board. <laughs> well, yeah. no, oftentimes they always come out of nowhere with something you, you know, you need to back off on. So I do appreciate it. Yes. Go, yeah. They do oh, yeah. I learned along the way that, around. yeah, it's, nice. it's a, I was contributing to, well, of course I'm contributing everything that I'm engaged in. I'm, I'm contributing right. at some yeah. level. Yeah. And so, um, and I want to say, I love the love mm -hmm. in this family, yeah. the faith in Grant. And it is hard and I feel bad about myself, to be hard on these parents. Although I admit 
that, you know, in this stage of my researching Grant Amato, I sort of felt a chill going up my spine. My spiny senses were screaming, uh, Margaret, Chad, please stop enabling this adult man-child. Stop it. Love and trust are more powerful than any rational thought for a parent sometimes. I mean, that's my conclusion, is that's these are true. not bad people. But they 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 are so believe in love and trust. Yeah. Love conquers all. Um, don't give up on love. Yeah. Uh, don't give up on that horse. You know, don't give up on Grant. Yeah. And I cannot feel anything but love for them. But also, you know, I want to reach in. Yeah. And take them by the scruff of the neck. Right. And say, you know, you're, you're running a fantasy island here. Right. Something you may not know about the response you're having here is that it could backfire in the following ways. I mean, uh-huh. that's the truth of it. Because I think it's, it's, it's fine to have a way that you want to reflexively be. And I, I think it's great to lead with love and to have trust and to just really put your good vibes and thoughts out there about things and have hope all those are but you also have to sprinkle the reality of your situation in you have to respond appropriately plus I carry around with me I once heard someone say I would rather be embarrassed at having sought help than dead because I needed it and didn't get it you know what I mean and that's that's uh, where I that's a great I'm gonna isn't it that. I think for all situations you find yourself in and you're struggling as to whether you want to do this because you don't want people to think you're overly whatever, who cares? You know what? I'd rather be embarrassed about having asked for the help I thought I needed than dead because I needed help and didn't ask for it, you know? Absolutely. Uh, well said, whoever you got that from, and I'm going to get it from you and I'm going to use it. Um, Kathleen, because, it was one know, of Andy's ex-girlfriends, we, we, Kathleen. We're on the ground. Yes. Yes. You and I, you know, when we're on the ground, we need somebody to take us up in a hot air balloon to see yes. a bigger picture of where all this is leading. And I've done that many times in my life and I needed it. And so anybody who's listening, you want the good housekeeping seal of approval on what you're doing, go see somebody for help if you need help. Yeah. If exactly. you need some perspective. Well, Caroline, I know this is going to be a shocker to you and all of our listeners, but unfortunately, Grant Amato's channel was far from success, and it was, you know, far from what he thought it would be. He barely pulled in $150 monthly from his streams, which were less than the frequent yet continuing habit he had of racking up charges on his family's credit cards. The charges weren't for streaming, though. Uh, buckle up, everybody. <laughs> Amato had become obsessed with webcam models, and one in particular, a Bulgarian cam model named Sylvia Vencislavova. And he called her Sylvie. She goes by Sylvia, uh, S-I-L-V-I-Y-A. So we're going to call her Sylvia. Wanting to impress the model, Amato paid her hundreds of dollars each night. Each night. Whoa. Each night. 
and made himself out to be far wealthier than he really was. Actually, he's not wealthy at all. So you can't get far wealthier when you got nothing (laughs) and you're stealing everything. But anyway, over time, he started to believe that, hey, this relationship is genuine. We have a relationship going here. And that feeling, that wild, wild fantasy only compelled him to spend more and more money on their chats meaning the credit cards that he had been loaned to get his business started. Eventually, he racked up more than $200,000 in charges. Can you imagine being Mm -hmm. Chad and, you know, Chad's brother and can you, Cody, and can you imagine getting your credit card bill no, that's a house. So no, <laughs> that's a house in Tennessee. So no, I would be livid. I would be taking him to court. I really would. I, you know what? Yes. <laughs> this, this man is a thief. Yes. He stole from the hospital, his employer. He's lucky he didn't kill anybody. I'm thinking maybe he stole a certain amount now, given the volume. I mean, $200,000 in charges for just talking to some chick on the internet who you magically think is just out of all of the internet videos in love with you and you alone. I mean, there's so much delusion going on here. He needs medical help. Well, he's just too lazy to think through things, Caroline. I really think he's just lazy to the bone. But despite his family trying to help him get his spending under control, so basically they have found out what he's done. Yeah. And they're trying to help him get his spending under control, and manage his addiction. Amato only fell further and further down the rabbit hole with this model, one that proved deadly when Grant Amato chose to kill his family and attempt to pin it on his brother, Cody. That's what is going to happen here. Online, Grant described himself as a professional gamer and a wealthy bachelor who had his own place and drove a BMW. His friend group online was none the wiser. Grant was actually a 29-year-old unemployed nurse who had recently been fired. He was living with his parents. He had a grand theft larceny over his head. And he drove a Honda Accord. That's better than any car I ever had at 29. He has a decent life, you know, for as much as you've put in. (laughs) Every night, Grant would spend hours watching Sylvie performed, his Sylvie, you know, Sylvia, perform via webcam. Watching her cost 90 tokens per minute. Grant would buy 5,000 Tokens for $600 every night. Every night? Germany Christmas. You couldn't make that much money to pay that. You would have to be one of these Sylvia's on your own webcam, Grant, if you ever wanted to pay for this. My God. Well, he's sleeping during the day. So, I mean, when else is he going to be doing this? I don't know. In reality, uh, you know, He's just a liar. I mean, if you kind of boil it all down and try not to get it, 
you know, too fancy or psycho, uh, psychologically, you know, explanations and all of that kind of stuff. He's a liar. He's a thief. He's a lazy bum. And he doesn't have a frontal cortex. Yeah. That's what, and he looks like a dead person because he is not into eating when he can be on the webcam. Or being outside. I, I'm yeah. sorry to be so harsh, but Grant is just, is making me so mad. Right. It wasn't long before Grant added to what he was doing. He began showering Sylvia with gifts, sending her items like clothing and toys, sex toys. Grant viewed Sylvia as my girlfriend. That was his point of view. <laughs> Sylvia, who he called Sylvie, is his girlfriend. And while she did not return those feelings, she never told him never that he was the girlfriend uh he she would he would say to her uh he would say to her you're my girlfriend and i want to marry you and he would she would say back to him oh you poor baby <laughs> right like these women you're one of a million excuse me grant like go sylvia because she's making bank she's got the kind of success on her streaming platform that grant wanted i find that a twisted sad irony here because grant made her yeah. very successful <laughs> and he's one of more than one i'm sure she has more than one person that's a business what she's doing is a business that's why i'm so careful to call her by her real name and i don't want to disparage her in the least mm -hmm. because she did not uh lie or uh deceive him he knew what it would take to watch her there is a video out on YouTube where Grant is begging her to give him just one little minute for free. And of course, she's not going to do that. No, there's the whole system in place for the work she does. And she's a professional, <clears throat> obviously. She's not crossing yeah, he, the boundaries. He's begging and they don't her, lie. I want to steal from you. Is that okay? Yeah. I mean, they're very, anyway, I, you know, I don't understand it, but I'm, Yes, kudos to those who can make that kind of money. $600 a night? Are you kidding me? For what? For well, that's just with him. I mean, she had other clients too. So Exactly. I mean, you know. So in reality, he was none of the things that he was telling Sylvie and, and telling his friends on Twitch. He was stealing, just flat out stealing from his father and his brother. <clears throat> Pardon me, uh, listeners, I have a bit of a cold. Not to dissuade me from tearing the mask away from Grant Amato, though. <laughs> I think that probably Margaret's paycheck went into the family funds and Chad handled the money. You know, like somebody, usually in the family, somebody handles, if the money is commingled, mm -hmm. somebody's handling the bills. Yeah, It doesn't always happen that way. And not, not more and more people are not commingling their money when they get married. Yeah. But I think in this relationship, that was what was going on is that, um, anyway, I know that mid-century families had that structure. I don't mean to belabor it, but I do think that Chad was the one who had a grip on what was really going on at some point in just three months, three months. Grant had burned through $200,000 of his family's money to satisfy his obsession with Sylvia. 
He lied to his family, telling them that he was using the money to promote himself as a gamer on the live streaming website Twitch. So Chad decided to take out a second mortgage on their house to pay for the debt that Grant had accumulated. He didn't accumulate it. He stole it. But anyway, as well as his legal fees for the grand theft charges he was facing for stealing the medication. So, I mean, Chad is just, he's he's mortgaging his own future. It also came to Chad's attention that Grant was in the process of fraudulently taking out a line of credit in Chad's name. Oh, my gosh. And he never reported any of this. He never reported it. Because he didn't want his son getting into more trouble, Caroline. Which I totally get. But oh, this is like dangerous behavior, though. I mean, this is like finding your kid setting fires in the neighborhood. To me, to me, this is what that, because I mean, this is that destructive in terms of its action and the results of it, right? Which Grant is not going to be paying attention to. He's already been this reckless thus far. $200,000 in three months. Woo! I mean, I've accumulated debt in my lifetime, like, and I've done it recklessly, but never. I'm talking like 1% of that. Like, it's like crazy to me. Yeah, it is crazy. You know, when you said that, um, you said something that prompted me to remember this guy by the name of Keller, last name Keller. Mm-hmm. He was a paragon of virtue in the community where we now live. And back in the uh, early 80s or maybe late 70s, um, there were uh, arson fires all over uh, the Seattle and the suburb areas. And finally, someone died in one of those fires. Oh. So now we're talking about arson and serial arson and murder. Yeah. So the Seattle police put out a lot of details about the shadow of a person who's leaving some of these saint scenes. You know, cameras were not all over the place, but there were cameras. Okay. And Mr. Keller recognized his son. (gasps) No way. He had a terrible moment. And after that terrible moment, he went to the police. Yeah. And they did arrest and convict his son. Yeah. And I went to a conference of some sort or, you know, some sort of continuing education thing. And he was a speaker, the father after this. And he talked about this journey that it would be better for his son to be where he belonged. Yes. And they would still be a family. They would visit him. They would give him commissary. They would support him and love him. But he needs to be in prison. Right. And the consequence of not putting him in prison was unthinkable. Right. Oh, wow. What a story. My gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It was chilling to hear this father talk about it didn't take him long, but in the right. moment of deciding what to do, yeah, he, um, he was in the darkest place that you can imagine. Oh, my God. The conflict. Well, that's yes. to me, this is what I see. Is this Chad is what we're talking this, about. Yeah. Like this credit card line to me is like, 
first of all, the 200,000 in three months is very, very bad. But then this not, he's going to just keep going. He's never going to stop this. That's what no, and he has no limits. And the father, Chad, does not have it in his life history or his perception of the world or the context within which he operates and his self-image and all of those things. He doesn't have what it takes to recognize this child of mine is a criminal. Yes. And I'm going to have to turn him in before he victimizes other people. Yeah. So then in December, Grant's situation seemed to get a little bit better because the grand theft charges against him were dropped. Why? Because of the dad mortgaging his house to pay for the lawyer, I imagine. Yeah. Cody and Grant and another friend decided let's celebrate. And they went on a trip to Japan and they had been wanting to go there for years. And Cody paid all of his and his brother's expenses for the trip. And he shucked out about $10,000 to take his brother and himself to this childhood dream of going to uh, going to Japan because they were into Japanese anime and that whole culture of yeah. the Japanese anime over in Japan. And I think Cody just loved his best friend and brother Grant. Yes. He wanted to be with his brother and take him out of his slump. Yep. I would have done that too. Even with everything going yes. on, I probably would yes. have done that too as, yes. a, as yes. a sibling. And, um, you know, Cody paid all of it. You know, as I said, it was 10,000 bucks. And I think he just did it because he wanted to be go back to what we were before all this stuff started happening. Yeah. Yeah. That his, you know, imagine, this is my imagination. I don't know really, but I know what I would be thinking is I would be having a hard time with my success as a nurse anesthetist, and I've got a very good income. It would be shrouded a bit by discomfort and awkwardness of Grant's failures to thrive. Yes. I mean, that's just my opinion. I feel And so much. let's, I'm going to take him on a trip. I'm going to like shake him up, make him realize, hey, you have interests, you have dreams beyond, you know, what you're doing right now. Yes. Because don't, don't forget, it wasn't just the daddy's credit card. It was the brother's credit card. Yes. And then Grant, after stealing from Cody, what did Cody do? Take him to Japan. Let's go have some fun. I know. I'm proud of you. I want you to get back on track. It's just hard to watch, honestly, all this continue. So when Grant returned from the trip, he and his father began fighting almost every day over Grant's lifestyle and the fact that he didn't have a job. Good. Yeah, that's what you're supposed to be On December about. 19th, 2018, Grant left the house after a particularly bad argument. He texted his mother saying that he was, quote, really tired of everything and, quote, just, I'm just going to go handle it in my own way. Uh, you know, Grant, I want to say, you know your mother is going to protect you. Why do you have to manipulate her this way? Because that scared her. Of course. If a, if a child of mine said, you know, I'm just really so tired. I'm just going to go and take care of everything my own way. I mean, I'm sorry. That's self-harming behavior. Right. Very deeply concerned. Margaret reported Grant missing to the police, explaining that he had been having, quote, strong feelings of worthlessness. 
maybe he looked in a mirror and saw that. I don't know. But, you know, yeah, he's having strong feelings of worthlessness. I want to add that, you know, I'm sorry to say this about because of what's going to happen, but I think feeling worthless in Grant's situation is actually legitimate. But he doesn't seem to be moving forward with a plan for getting back on track. And, you know, Caroline, the whole time that I was researching this case, and especially at this moment when she called the cops and said, I think he's going to harm himself, I want to save Margaret. I don't want to save Grant. Yeah, no, I agree. I've had it by this time with Grant. From him because he doesn't care. And Cody. Saying I want to save Cody too. Well, yeah, I mean, he's and just, I want to save Chad. They're all just saying whatever it takes to, you know. Grant's just going to keep keep this ship afloat. He, he, I mean, he's really a man in the throes of a deep addiction. Whatever it is, he's addicted to Sylvia, not working. There's many things you can become addicted to. I think even just self destructive taking behavior. shortcuts, not suffering. Yeah, like I mean, I think. But that's the kind of thing I think I'm getting a sense of from Grant is that he's just a person deeply self-destructive, deep in the throes of a an addiction, depression. He doesn't see anybody around him. His parents, his brothers, that they don't he doesn't see them anymore. He's in his vampire body doing vampire things, and he's just gonna suck them dry, just like he would some other stranger. You know what I mean? I think he's in a bad I think he is a vampire. Yeah. That was a conclusion that I drew too. Yes. And I think this is a vampire man. And I think it's it's Margaret, it's Chad, it's Cody, it's Jason. These are the people that need saving and intervention. It's not Grant is seemingly a lost cause at this point. I mean, he really is very destructive. As it turned out, um Grant had driven to his aunt Donna Amato's house in Opaka. Florida, about 42 miles west of Chuliota. And Donna later described Grant as looking gaunt and exhausted. While at Donna's, he spent the whole day sleeping and the entire night awake, just like you said. He's a vampire. My words, not, those are your words, my words, not Donna's words. But in my defense and in your defense, Caroline, Grant Amato is a bloodsucker. Yeah. He's a bloodsucker. If if his parents were dogs, he'd be a tick. I mean, you know, that's what he right. does. He's a parasite yeah. who is taking from others. Not long after Grant arrived, Donna noticed mysterious charges when checking her bank account from the Cam Girls website where Grant spoke to Sylvie for mucho dollars, not his own. Donna called Chad, telling him what Grant had been doing. You know, I can just imagine that conversation. And Chad pleaded with her, please don't press charges. Please don't press charges. Cody also spoke to Donna, telling her that he would pay her back all the money that Grant had stolen from her. I mean, so now, poor little Cody, he thinks he has to be a parent to Grant because the actual parents have blown a gasket off their financial position, mortgaged their house. I mean, oh my God. It's pretty Poor Chad is enabling now also. Yeah. I just wish that somebody had just done an intervention, which somebody is going to do an intervention in a minute. 
he could have encouraged Donna to go to the to the police, uh, but he didn't. He was trying to get his aunt. Don't do that. Donna was really flummoxed by Chad's enabling. That's the father, or just the whole dismal, you know, this whole dumpster fire thing that Grant just oh the fire's out. Let me light it again. Yeah. Let me light it again. Yeah. Then just when she thought things couldn't get any more strange. Chad Amato broke down crying on the phone. This is like, Caroline, if one of your brothers, you know, you had to tell him, hey, your kid has been stealing me blind. Please don't, please don't turn him in. Please don't turn him in. Why shouldn't I? And then start crying Your bro- when your brother started. I mean, you know, that's, I cannot imagine this. But anyway, he told his sister all about the grief that Grant, and I'm going to add grief and destruction, but he said grief. Grant had been causing Margaret and him the last few months and how much it had cost to pay back his debts. And um, Donna would later Mm -hmm. tell detectives that Chad told her on the phone, yeah, I'm going to have to work a few more years than I thought I'd have to, but it's okay because I'll do it for Grant. I don't want him to go to jail. Yeah, you do. I feel like I'm so mean during this episode. This is awful. No, I think it but touches that's how on, I feel. It's it touches on what you said about the dad of the arson. You know, part of loving your child is recognizing when they are in an unhealthy environment and to remove them from said environment and move them to something better. Now, something better may not work for anybody but them. And sometimes the something better is jail. Right. I mean, we've the Jenkins case. We talked about this. I mean, he's in jail. There's just so many facets to it. But to think that like you don't want your kid to go to jail because that's just something you don't want for them when every bit of their day to day action screams someone who needs rehabilitation. Like, it's just sad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, There are times, Caroline, in every family murder that I just want to lay down for a long time and rest. And this is probably it. In our story today, this poor dad, Chad, and his wife, Margaret, must have been nauseated and heartbroken 24 hours, seven days a week. And they just did not want to see Grant hurt. They wanted to help him. They didn't realize anything remotely like family annihilation existed or is a possibility. They didn't see that that was a straight line from all this saving grant stuff. Right. And they didn't deserve what happened to them. Grant Amato did not deserve his family. That's the most I'll say about it right now. Pardon me. Grant Amato is stealing my health and I've now got a bad cold. Mm Mm-hmm. On December 22nd, 2018, Chad, Margaret, Jason, and Cody, this whole loving family, staged an intervention. They came to Donna's house and they told Grant he needed to get help. Chad, Margaret, and Cody drove him to a rehabilitation center in Fort Lauderdale. Grant voluntarily enrolled in a 60-day program for sex and pornography addiction. And, oh, my God, I'm so happy when I read that. Yeah. However, Grant dropped out of the program after two weeks. Okay, that's not even 25%, Caroline. 
Yeah. On January 4th, 2019, he dropped out, walked out. Cody had committed to paying $15,000 for this treatment program. That's not refundable. Mm-hmm. His brother did that after 10000 to go to Japan. And after you took his credit card and ran hundreds of thousands of dollars between you and your dad. I mean, I love these people. I feel so bad for them. And I I just wish that I was their friend at the time before any of this happened. Not that I could do anything. And now Grant has squandered the money away by staying less than 25% in rehab. Uh, I read somewhere that he said, well, they want to talk about addiction. I'm not addicted. Well, most addicts don't think they are. But if you stay the whole 60 days, you begin to realize, oh, yes, I am. You're right. But he couldn't handle it, Caroline. So um, <clears throat> that's about the percentage, about 25% he was willing to put up with. But that, And that's about the percentage that, in my opinion, Grant gave to becoming a productive member of society. And that's my opinion. Yeah, they're, well, they're, but that's, he's a 25 percenter. Yeah. I mean, that's actually probably pretty accurate correlation there. You know, this is about how much I'm willing to give in any space I enter. <laughs> yeah, he's he's mega entitled. The next day on January 5th, Chad took Grant to the California. So he's dropped out, but the dad is still picking him up, taking him to the California pizza kitchen in Waterford Lakes for a lunch and a talk. At the restaurant, Chad took out a handwritten list of rules out of his pocket that Grant had to abide by if he wanted to continue living at the family home. Yay, Chad. Yeah, there that's a good first time. I mean, that you wish that would have happened earlier, but this is the way you got to start chipping away at the push back, Chad. Push back. Absolutely. I'm proud of Chad. The rules dictated that Grant had to stop spending all night online and he had to get a job. His parents would no longer pay his phone bill. His previous phone plan had been canceled. And Chad had set him up on a new plan that did not have data. Mm, good. Meaning you can't no online. make contact, yeah. can't buy anything. That's right. You know, he had to pay back debts to the family and he had to go into therapy. Good. These are good things. Good, Chad. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. He was no longer allowed to communicate with Sylvie. If he was caught doing so, he would be kicked out of the house immediately. Smart. And while Grant had been in rehab, Chad had assessed his computer. Uh, Pardon me. I don't think that's assessed. I think that's accessed. Sorry. Chad had accessed. (laughs) He was assessing. Yeah, he was a computer assessor. Anyway, Chad, okay, I'm going to back up. While Grant was still in rehab, Chad had accessed his computer and gotten in contact with Sylvia, telling her that Grant had been lying to her and that all of the money that he had spent on her was actually stolen from his family. And upon learning this, Sylvia was just made it clear. She's no longer interested in communicating with Grant. Yeah. According to Grant, Chad had erased everything off his computer and he put a password on it that Grant didn't know. Nice. So he was unable to access it when he returned home. Nice. Uh, You go, Chad. That's right, Chad. That's what it looks like. (laughs) If Grant did not 
agree to these terms. Now we're at the restaurant and we're eating our breakfast and I'm letting him know if you do not agree to these terms, you're going to have to leave our home. You're going to have to get a job or enlist in the military, something. Mm -hmm. He was still frustrated, but willing to help. So Grant's father allowed Grant to move back in their home on three conditions. Get a job, see a therapist, cut off communication with Sylvia Venceslavova. And, uh, you know, despite being offered the second chance, Amato ignored his father's warning. He was desperate to contact Sylvie, and he managed to convince his mother to lend him her cell phone to do so. Jeez. Margaret. But I get it. That's just who you are. When his father found out, he followed through on his threat, and he kicked Grant out of the house. And this sent Grant Amato into a violent rage. Now, violent rage, that takes some energy. So, yeah. okay, Grant, get go through your go through your rage and then get to now what I'm going to do and figure out how you're going to make your life work. But by this time it was January 23rd and Grant was enraged at having been evicted from the family home. The next day on January 24th, Amato entered his parents' home. He shot his mother in the back of the head while she was working at her desk. He waited in the kitchen for his father to return home, then shot him behind his ear. The shot did not kill Chad, though. He was lying on the floor attempting to crawl away when Grant stood over him and shot him again. Oh, my gosh. He unlocked his father's phone using his dead father's fingerprint. So he's putting his dead father's fingerprint onto his phone for identity purposes so that he could contact his brother Cody and lure him to the house. He waited hours for Cody to arrive and then immediately shot him in the face as he entered the house. Grant then planted the gun and holster on Cody's body to try to trick the police into believing that it had been Cody, not Grant, who had murdered their parents before taking his own life. But Grant put the holster of the gun on Cody on the wrong side of his body. So, like, Sounds you know, when you're going to, when you're going to be a crossover moment. shooter, yeah. you use your dominant hand and you reach across your body mm-hmm. to get your gun out of the holster. Okay. Or you're just going to be a straight shooter and you put the holster on the, your oh. dominant hand side and you just pull it out real fast and you shoot. But no, Chad did a combination of those things that made it impossible for any person to get that gun out. So immediately police knew that this is staged. This was the story, the the murder, the family annihilation, followed by uh, suicide. That was the story that Grant told investigators when they found him at a nearby Doubletree Hotel. 
He managed his innocence saying through sniffles and tears that he did not kill his family and he believed that Cody was the killer. He said his father had kicked him out of the family home, but gave him his credit card to get into a hotel. Awful. A flash drive in Grant's possession with hundreds of photos of Sylvia Ventislavova pro- proved that he had been in his family's home that day. The thumb drive had been connected to the family computer during the time in which Grant was at home, and Cody's iPhone was hooked up to Grant's computer shortly thereafter, trying to steal his money, Caroline. Oh my gosh. But he couldn't. You know, Grant couldn't figure out how to pass the security process. And after you try a few hundred times, they're going to lock you out. Yeah. And this is how I know that this was about money. And Grant's will to make everything in his life bend his way. And I'm going to argue with anybody who called this, he was snapped. Like if you if you see this on the, the show Snap, right. no, it's not a snap. Uh-uh. He did not snap. He didn't see red in rage against his family. He just needed to invent a new way to rip them off. Yeah, he was getting, he was running out of schemes and scams. Grant Amato was interrogated for a very long time after annihilating his family with only a stepbrother, Jason, alive. Now, Jason, remember, he lives in a different town. And uh, police called Jason and had him come in to the interrogation room because they were hoping that Grant would spill the beans to him. They left the two brothers alone. And in this video, you see Jason just begging Grant in the sweetest, softest way, please, Grant, tell us what happened. Please tell us what happened. I just need to know what happened to my family. And he hugged Grant. He hugged him. But when it became clear that, you know, he's not going to come clean, he's not going to own up to this, Jason just told him, look, I'm going to give you one last hug, and I want you to know that no one in the family will ever love you more or less, no matter what you did. He said he would pray for him, but this part just... He said, I'll pray for you because I can no longer pray for mom. I can no longer pray for dad. And I can't pray for Cody. This scene for me is like a beautiful poem about a pure love contrasted with a cold reptilian self-interested family annihilator. You see it right there. Right. On the screen. In court, Grand Amato pleaded not guilty, but the jury did not agree with his self-assessment. Jason testified for the prosecution, simply explaining what had happened to his loving family due to the actions of Grant Amato. Though the jury could not agree on the death penalty, Grant was imprisoned for life without parole. And to this day, he maintains his innocence and even wrote that certain memories... You know, certain memories remind me of my family and everything that was taken away from me. We're talking about Grant, okay? Grant is saying this. Certain memories remind me of my family that was taken away from me and the brother I loved more than anything in this world. 
That's creepy. It's creepy that people can be split like that. Project one thing yes. and everybody knows the other thing about them. It's just creepy. It creeps me out. It's creepy. It's so sad. To Margaret, to you, Chad, to Cody, I offer my deepest respect. The three of you and Jason represent to me the best of humanity. You are pure love, and I realize you never realized that sometimes love is not enough. Mm. But what I know about love is that it never dies, and I feel your love for each, each of you. I feel love for these people each and every day. Not Grant, but I feel love for Margaret, Chad, and Cody, and I respect them and always will. So we'll end it here, Caroline. So today's episode, Killing for Sylvie, is researched, written, and narrated by Bridget and Caroline. Produced by Andy, our research is solely based on public domain documents, including legal documents, articles, and books about our subject. Episodes are aired every other week. If you like us, please subscribe and give us a five-star review. Tell your friends about us in person and on social media. All of these actions help new listeners find us. And thank you, listeners. We really, really appreciate you. And one more thing. Don't forget to live and let live. Bye-bye, Caroline. Bye-bye.